Hello, everyone, and welcome back. This is the Rooted Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Panetta, and we are downtown in our studio right here in our home office. Uh, where else would we be? And uh, we have another episode here and a guest that's sitting in front of me. First time I've met him in person, talked to him several times. Uh, he is in town for our Leadership Institute tomorrow. I want to talk about him more, but I got to do the spiel. You know, for those of you that are first joining, this podcast is connected to our Leadership Institute groundwork. And uh, Salem is home to to groundwork. And we started this institute a few years ago to raise the tide of leadership in our community. And ultimately, our goal is to be a catalyst for transformational change. That's our vision. And we don't believe that we are the transformational change. What we believe is that we can do our part in creating the conditions for transformational change and that our community and the organizations and our leaders and the people and the families, that we have so much potential to be better um, and to to improve. And and uh, and that's our goal is to, to create those conditions for that sort of change to happen. So that's what we're all about. Uh, this is all a philanthropic endeavor that we're engaged in, which is just an amazing thing to have benefactors that care so much about the community that we can do this and that I can be sitting across the table from you, Seth. And and so that's a little bit about us and the podcast. So if this is your first time joining, thanks for joining. If you're a returning listener, thank you for your loyalty, we'll call it, to uh, to continue listening to these episodes and, and sharing this thought with others. So now to our guest, Seth. Seth is here across from me. Last time you were on the show, that was episode, what did I say? 33. 33 yeah. Back in uh, April, oh, yeah, April 22 of 2021. So about a year ago. And uh, that one's titled The Merlin Advantage, which is your book. And uh, the subtitle is What Type of Leader Are You? One of my favorite episodes to just record. Uh, it was just so fascinating to, to speak with you. You were connected to us through a mutual friend. Right. And uh, I didn't know what to expect, but I was I was just blown away by how how fun the conversation was. And now that I've been doing this for a while, these these this podcasting, it's you know, there's truly conversations that separate themselves from others. Mm. And the one with you was certainly one of those. It was just an enjoyable conversation and some just amazing content that I'm so eager to talk about again. Uh, and then last little bit of information I mentioned sets in town uh, for our leadership institute tomorrow. We're in our third year, so we have a third cohort. He's our guest speaker. Uh, this is our first first month meeting off of our retreat that we had last month. So a lot of energy, a lot of new leaders, 21 leaders mm-hmm. all across the community, different sectors. Um, and you're our first, uh, you know, first guest speaker of the year. Um, so we're excited about that. And so you're in town the night before. We're hanging out. Been fun. We've been Good making set. been making jokes. Joking about peanut butter sandwiches before we started recording, right, right. yeah, and uh, how I have to have a ton of peanut butter on my sandwich. But and then after this, we'll grab some dinner, and I'm just looking forward to to tomorrow, man. Yeah, we're we got the sandwich conversation and the dinner conversation. We'll see if we can keep our focus. Yeah, we, we, yeah. and we got a reservation in an hour, so uh. we'll do it. Yeah, no, it's great to be back. This is fun. Last time was fun. I'm looking forward to it. It's been fun to catch up again and be live. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, live here in person and in person, I should say. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is pre-recorded, Seth. <laughs> How does this work? What dimension yeah. am I in? Nobody's actually listening to us right in this Yet. moment. Yes, yes, they are in the future. Uh, yeah. So this is this is just a joy for me. You know, these conversations. We're fifty something episodes in, two and a half years, and and they're just so fun because we get to talk about things that that. Uh, in a, in a, in a, just a controlled environment here, um, wrestle with ideas and 
you know, I love podcasts. I like, I love listening to them almost every morning at the gym. And there's something about just hearing other people's conversations, wrestling with ideas that's enjoyable. And I'm so glad that we have, um, listeners and, and people that, that enjoy this, this podcast that certainly took off in ways that we would have never thought. We don't really market this at all. Uh, it was meant to be a resource for our leaders, but man, we have people all over the place downloading and, and listening and, um, we're obviously not at any sort of viral status, but thousands of downloads to us. Something's is, going on. It's pretty cool. cool happening. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we try to tie the rooted framework to everything that we talk about, but that's loosely. We just mm-hmm. like to learn from people. And you're just a, a fascinating person in my book. For, to be a person, and again, listeners, go back and listen to episode 33. You'll hear all about Seth. But to be somebody that can see these abstract thought going on around you with all of your history, which you told me more about it today. I mean, you're a, you're a bodyguard. That's pretty cool, man. Like you're a, ex, what is it called? Executive, executive protection. Sec- protection. Yeah. Like that, that's, that's way better than bodyguard. Yeah. But you were executive protection to, you know, working within schools to now, you know, being an uh, independent consultant. You were an author of a book, really cool story. But to be able to take these thought that you've had over the years, these abstract ideas and bridge it to the practical it's pretty cool. And then to make analogy of it from some of our favorite uh, childhood and adult myths, myths and, and legend and stories, you know, from King Arthur to, to Merlin and, and Lord of the Rings. I mean, don't even get me started. Right. Like after right. Star Wars, that's, that's the thing, man. Uh, so I just think it's fascinating that you, you know, your story there. So it's just a joy to have you back. Um, and I, I want to get right in, like, it, you know, pick up from where we, we left off. Yeah. I remember... And I'm going to stop talking after this because I just want you to, no, to kind of run with stuff. But I remember this feeling after we last spoke, and, and I talk about this in the episode. So for those of you that heard that one, where you talked about this idea of what a Merlin leader is and an Arthur leader. And Arthur leaders are like, what do you call them? The performance? Performance leaders. Performance yeah, leaders. The name I gave it. It's like they, they're, they, they're the go-getters. They're the engine. They're the car, the engine of the vehicle, there like you, you say. Yeah. They're the ones that go and get it done. They're competitive. They're Type A, you know, they get things done, boom, 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 you know, aggressive, speed, quickness, yeah. et cetera. And then there's the Merlin leader, which is kind of the opposite, right? More of a feeler. What's the term you have for that? Empath. You know, we talk about cooperative energy and- Well, that, the type of leader, you got the performance the, leader and then the- I mean, that's the core thing, the integral process leader. The integral that's process the leader. Yeah. yeah. More empathetic, more understanding- you know, they slow down a little bit. They're more focused on people instead of things, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, what we talked about today, which I'd love to get into, is that there's a continuum between those two right. types of leadership. Right. But I remember when you were talking about that wrestling in my own internal battle of and what kind of leader am I? Because I have been my whole childhood and, and, you know, being a competitive athlete and things of that nature, it's like I'm super competitive. I want to be the best. Mm-hmm. And and I usually ensure I'm the best, right? Like that's just how I'm wired. And, you know, when I was a kid and we always ran races, like in school, I was always the first, right. you know, and it was just how I was. And that's how I'm wired in a lot of ways. But my education, you know, studying peace building mm-hmm. <laughs> and conflict resolution, psychology, it's really taught me the value of slowing down, being empathetic, understanding, seeing, seeing people, um, being more concerned about people than things. And so I constantly have this interplay between the two and sometimes one kind of leads the way and the other, sometimes the other leads the way. And sometimes like we talked about earlier today as well is it's not like 
one is necessarily better than the other. The whole, yeah. your whole thing is there should be a balance and not if it's just within your own internal, you know, cognition, but, mm-hmm. but just surrounding your people with a balance. So that's what I remember from that episode wrestling with, gosh. And even just the other day, I told you on the phone that I was struggling with something and I was realizing that, man, I'm, I'm just an Arthur, man. I'm, I just want to go and get this done. And why don't other people yeah. see this as well? Uh, and I was frustrated, but it gave me the language to kind of diagnose, self-diagnose, mm, which I think is incredibly valuable. Yep. So that's where we ended off. Yeah. And I wanted to continue that conversation, but let's start with talking about the continuum. Okay. You know, like what's the, what's the continuum like? What's the value in, in, in under, in maybe seeing it as a continuum instead of black or white? You know, you're either this or you're that. What's the value in the continuum? Yeah, good question. I, I think it makes it fun and easy to juxtapose King Arthur and Merlin or Aragorn and Gandalf or whoever. I mean, that's that's helpful, but it's not the full truth. I think the reality of people and the reality of the system that I talk about is that there is a continuum and we don't have to feel like this conversation is going to trap us. Even if we even if we dive into neuroscience, even if there was and there's not yet, nobody worry. Even if there was a brain scan that could say, oh, you're King Arthur, there's there's the reality is there's still room to move in the system because as individuals, you know, uh, one of the things since we've talked is I've just found more and more on the left right brain research and the, you know, other other ways of, you know, that the neuroscience is is showing us how people work and realizing that there's almost a fractal. That this balance, you you kind of alluded to it. There there is a balance within ourselves between the left and right brain, and we can learn to feel it, and we can learn to self-diagnose and self-modulate, self-correct. Uh, we can then extend out to others. We get better at feeling the energies of where conversations or relationships are going and what energies might be at play, that there might be competitive energy. Uh, that needs to be balanced with some cooperative energy and that we can just kind of, you know, we talked about it a little bit earlier, the gas pedal and the brake pedal, you know, that we might go a little bit, we might touch the brakes a little bit in a conversation. And there's other times in life that it's very appropriate uh, to put the hammer down a little bit, to put the gas pedal down. And so within, within our own brains and minds, there's, there's a level that we, that we can see ourselves as existing along a continuum, even day to day, moment to moment. Um, and then in our systems, we might say that there's people that kind of, um, move along the system, but they tend to situate themselves. I certainly situate myself at the integral process leadership end. I'm, you know, by temperament, a little bit more on that side. And I understand that about myself, even though, you know, I can lean in and, you know, drive on when I need to, um, you know, I, I, I see where I situate, but I also move a little bit and I see that, you know, there's people that are flat out in the middle of this thing that yeah. really exist in both places very comfortably. And sometimes that manifests as people who are great team players and they're, you know, fairly great managers because they're kind of, they're very much kind of in the middle. Um, and there's not a lot of incredible King Arthur system kingdom building going mm-hmm. on. And there's not a lot of deep interpersonal you know, what kind of the neurobiology between interpersonal neurobiology, some of those kind of topics aren't at their fullest expression, like they might be in the hands of an integral process leader, Mm. Um, but they do pretty darn good for the environment they're situated in. And it's kind of more of a middle of the road um, existence, not in a boring way, but a healthy and workable balance. So, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, 
you might have people sitting there right now, and I just want to address this because I think it's important to address <clears throat> of why this is important to 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 contemplate mm-hmm. and and to analyze um, as individuals, not just leaders. Excuse me, I got something in my throat. <clears throat> not just as leaders, but as individuals to really think about this because you can have people sitting out there that might be like, it might be the Arthurs saying, this is all fluff. Like who cares? Right. Let's just go get the, let's go get our work done. Like yeah. you either do it or you don't. Right. You're either winning, you're losing. You're either, you're either working hard or you're not. Right. right. And, uh, and it's not like they're wrong. You know, it's like, what's the point of talking about a bunch of stuff if we're never going to go and do it. Like right. if we're going to sit here and, and espouse certain things, we sure as heck better be able to go and actually do it. But there could be people sitting there thinking the same thing. Like, why are we talking about this? You know? Um, but here's why I think it's so important is because it allows us put simply to improve and to change, but relating it to our framework, it's what starts to create conditions for transformation. Mm -hmm. And we talked about this on one of our last episodes with Jim Farrell of the difference between change and transformation. Change is fluid. Uh, change is constant. Um, it's predictable. Transformation is not fluid. It's not constant, and it's certainly not predictable. Uh, but we need transformation because transformation is is a fundamental. The way we define it in our institute, it's a fundamental shift to positive potential. Mm. So it's a yeah. fundamental shift to becoming to to living your potential, whether you're you know a small group of people or an organization or community. And if you think about it that way, our, our organizations and communities need that. Like you look out in the world, we need communities that are working towards their positive potential, not in the opposite direction. And change isn't going to get us there. Transformation is going to get us there. But, but transformation, it doesn't happen uh, uh, in a silo or alone. You need others. And I kept thinking about that when you were talking in, in, in the room earlier about how we need each other. Mm-hmm. These sort of leaders need each other. These sort of people need each other because that's how transformation happens. Mm-hmm. You need others for it to be possible. Yeah. And the way Jim Farrell talks about it is it happens in leaps and bounds. Mm-hmm. And and there's not going to be any leap or any bound if people aren't willing to come together and work together. And that's why you need the the Arthurs mm-hmm. and the, the Merlins. You need the Aragorns and the Gandalfs. I was thinking of Lord of the Rings and you don't have... A story in Lord of the Rings without those two characters. Right. right. And it's not a story if it's just one of them. Right. It's not. You need both of them to create the the amazing, you know, where it's all fictional, but the amazing, well, and you're like, no, it's not. It's real. Middle Earth is real. Uh, wait a second. <laughs> uh, to what just create saying? the amazing story. Yeah. And the narrative of our lives and our communities, we need each other to make those leaps and bounds and those fundamental shifts into transformation. Um and so we need to come together. Mm-hmm. And so when when you when somebody's sitting out there thinking none of this matters, we're just going to go. Maybe it doesn't, but you won't experience transformation. Yeah. You'll just keep going into fundamental, yeah, not sorry, not fundamental, just incremental changes. And 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 that's that might be great, and that might be all that you know you think you need it. You, we need in our life. But I'm a big believer that when we can predict something, there's no learning in it. Mm-hmm. There's no growth. So what's the point, right? Yeah. If I can predict what things are going to be like in five years, then what? Then that should already be done. It should already it be should done. Be, yeah. I mean, there's there's no growth in it, right? And so the unpredictable is incredibly. It just invites growth and 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 improvement and again transformation. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a little scary because you have to be willing 
to change a little bit. You have to be willing to give something up. And that's when I want, so I want to get, I want, love your response on that, but that's when I want to get to, are we asking the Arthurs to be a little bit more like a Merlin? Are we asking the performance leaders to be a little bit more, give me a word, the word that you use, the empathic em- or, empathic yeah. or, or thoughtful. Contemplative or, con- or yeah, yeah. yeah. Reflective. All those yeah. words. Yeah. And so is that what we're asking in the model? And is there any ask in the, in the reverse of, no, we need the, we need the Merlin. You need to be a little bit more like the Arthur. Yeah, no. I've talked about a million stuff, so you take it, man. (laughs) I just want to go back to the opening scene that had a really cool voice in the movie. No, Um, (laughs) no, this I mean, that is, I think, really where the tension is for for people. Like, what do what does this mean for me? If I do sense this energy, if I kind of feel a, a resonant truth when I get into you know, like some of what we'll talk about tomorrow is, you know, we'll see the neuroscience images. We'll start to look at like how much uh, neuroscience maps to organizational paradigms that are very president, pre- uh, not president, present in our systems and our ways of thinking and our values and our assumptions. It's all baked in there. And I think sometimes we don't know where it comes from. And then people get in contact with some of this Merlin advantage and, you know, this particular lens. And it's like, uh, there's something here, but I don't know what that means for me. Um, I don't know how it, where it takes me in terms of who I am as a leader and then what I will do with that. Mm. And so, you know, what is it asking? Uh, is it asking performance leaders to do something that's, you know, in and of itself outside what they are gifted at, you know, is it, is it sort of deleterious, um, on its face? And I would say, um, hopefully not. I mean, I hope it isn't um, that we're that we're bringing these types to get these archetypes or types together to work together, to see each other, mm-hmm. um, to watch each other um, interact with situations and people and to feel the differences and sometimes to even talk about those differences and, you know, to allow the other person to lead them. You know, perhaps King Arthur is led into some new behaviors, some new perspectives by Merlin, who kind of already saw it a certain way. Yeah. And then vice versa, the the Merlins and the Gandalfs being able to learn to appreciate the value that, you know, our kingdom has a name. There's, you know, there are borders, you know, there are structures, there are systems that uh, produce tangible benefit. That's something we talked about last time is performance leaders have a knack for kind of energizing tangible benefit for the people in the kingdom. And that's a very good thing. You got to see it. The scoreboard. Right. You got to see the scoreboard. That's real. Yeah. Yeah. And you got to see how the plays work Mm -hmm. um, and where people go. Yeah. Sports, I mean, are quickly a very good analogy for that. But, you know, you have to have somebody else that also picks up on and naturally, not just knows it intellectually, but naturally feels where the energy between the players are, Mm -hmm. uh, between, you know, the members of the team, what happens after the game, in between practices, those kind of things. And what is, what is that? What even is that? And I think for certain, brain styles and brain types it's easier to ask the question and be in that space versus how are we what are our steps to the championship Mm -hmm. it includes these softer more nuanced pieces those are part of the glue that get us to the championship or get us to the kpis or how you know whatever is chosen to be measured or set as goals and results um I think your system's very, you know, the, the, the rooted framework, the groundwork perspective is really powerful in bringing people into that conversation and understanding what is depth, what is seeing people, what is knowing yourself, 
And, yeah. you know, the Merlin advantage is sort of a, you know, fictional uh, kind of tour through the neuroscience yeah. and personality theory to, to further that. Yeah. Uh, but people have to get into that conversation. And yeah. Well, I, you know, I love that it's called the Merlin advantage and not the Arthur advantage, no. right? Because I agree with you. I think that, that we have been conditioned to put value on the performance performance. I could stop there performance period, yeah. but performance leadership, because it's the, it's the tangible evidence. It's what yeah. we see. It's what, uh, it's, it's what we see. And, and it's the bottom line. And yeah. we were talking about this in the office earlier. It's, it's, it's the, it's the thing that we typically measure, mm-hmm. but what we're not measuring is this other space that's between us and others. Mm-hmm. Um, in our curriculum, we call it the space between. Yeah. There's a space between us and others. And you have to kind of put on the Merlin hat to see it mm-hmm. and, to, and, and then to, to be intentional enough to measure it. And, and you know, Jim and I and the previous guests were, were talking about this, uh, this principle of leadership changing over time. But I was with a group yesterday. I did this kind of this last minute speech to this group in the community, 50 some odd leaders, uh, and they're, they're, they're called emerging leaders. It's through mm-hmm. the chamber. A really cool group. And uh, I didn't quite know what I was going to say to them. And so I winged it. Like I just, it was one of those things, man. I just threw out the notes. Like (laughs) seriously, I spent like, I only had two day notice and, and I was the, I was the headliner. I'm putting up my quotation fingers, the headliner. And, uh, you're already ready. And I'm like, man, there's a million things I could talk about. I have no idea what I'm going to talk about. And so I wrote down two pages of notes thinking, you know, trying to organize my thought and I was going in circles. So my, whatever. So I show up there and I just was riffing off of what they're called emerging leaders. Mm. And, and I kind of took this spin on, on that concept again, that we had discussion with a previous guest. I'm a mentor of mine, Jim Farrell, but I took this twist on it of just talking about the term emerging mm. as leaders. Cause when you emerge, it means that you're, you're coming out of something like there's, it wasn't there before mm-hmm. and it emerged. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's a really simple concept of what does it mean to emerge? And then you couple that with leadership. It means that it, this isn't, this is. And I told them, you guys are the emerging leadership group. You're not the already made it leadership right. group. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. you're not the already knows it all mm-hmm. leadership group yeah. or the, you know, you're the emerging leaders. And so that means something. But let's look throughout time back in Gandalf times there you go. <laughs> and King Arthur times. The leaders that emerged were typically the Arthurs, the ones that were the strongest, mm-hmm. most powerful fastest i mean literally in in the world you know the tribe tribal times village times mm-hmm. the big man time is what they call it, the you know the big men the mm-hmm. big men time mm-hmm. is literally that was it if you were the biggest strongest fastest toughest person you emerged as the leader yeah and everybody would follow you out of necessity because you could take care of them that's right you would protect them yeah uh and so it's like we were ingrained like i said conditioned to value that because that's what we needed for survival and then you know, industrial revolution, things start to change. The leaders that began to emerge after that were the smartest people in mm-hmm. the room, the most intelligent and thinking, yeah. we don't need, we don't need guys to pull that wagon. Let's get animals to right. do it, you know? Yeah. And then, and then you keep going and inventions and creation and the smartest people were out front. They were the ones emerging as leaders. You got the Steve Jobs and the other thought leaders that are just so intelligent, making our life easier. Okay. So we no longer we have machines that are doing all the heavy lifting. We have machines that are faster than us. We have vehicles, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we have machines that are stronger than us. Yeah. I mean, the construction that's going across, across the street, like they're using machine. So it's just all this revolution. The emerging leaders were the smartest people in the room. 
But there's another evolution that we're going through right now, which I think, and this is why I'm going to bring it to, it's bringing us to the Merlins because there's something that machines can't do, that artificial intelligence can't do, that technology can't do. And it's the ability that human beings have to connect to one another. Mm-hmm. And so the emerging leaders of our day are, are need to be out of necessity because we're getting further and further away from human connection. Yeah. Like I can connect with, you know, like I can, all the, all the connection they have online, they're, they're, they're sort of human, but it's right. all through AI. It's all through technology. The emerging leaders that our communities need, that our organizations need are the ones that can connect with human beings. Um, that can see others as people and then know how to cultivate that space between and take care of that space between because no machines ever going to do that. Right. No bit of technology is ever going to do that. And that's the, that's to me from understanding what I know about your, you know, your, your approach, that's the Merlin. That's yeah. the Merlin advantage Yeah, is it's a necessity because that's the sort of leaders that we need because performance leaders, guess what? There's machines that can perform better than you. And quite frankly, there's technology that can perform better than mm-hmm. you now. Yeah. Like this phone can perform better than me in yeah. a lot of ways. That's right. It's smarter than me. It's quicker than me. If I want to know a piece of information, I can Google it. And so the performance leaders, you're going to be outdated one day, to be quite honest. Yeah. And uh, it doesn't mean that it's not important and that all those things are not, you know, in good traits to have. It's still good to be strong, for example, yeah. right? We can say. But. Then the, what's needed in our world and our community are the Merlins. Yeah. It's the emerging leaders that can connect. Yeah. Um, and that space between us and others is what we need to start measuring. Um, That's it. So I'm, I'm rambling, man. No, that and was this, a, And you're the guest that I'm that, sorry, I'm rambling. Let's hear from you. I mean, what's your response? Uh, such a, such a perfect tour of sort of the history of this phenomenon that, I mean, you brought it, you brought it to that poignant you know, potential energy, the, the place we're in right now, historically, I think is where we're seeing the need, not, not necessarily, you know, the possibility or the theoretical aspirations to something more human centric. We're beyond that. We're seeing the need for it, you know, and there's phenomenons in, in the workplace and society and politics where it's like, man, we really need that other piece that has to be there. And it comes, um, you know, I mean, there, there's a, a Dan Pink book, I think like it's called a whole new mind or a whole new brain. And it's talking about this. And there's even some, some real deep scholarship that Ian McGilchrist, you know, I've mm-hmm. gotten into his book on left and right brain lateralization and how that's influenced. I mean, his take is, you know, very similar to what you were saying is it's shaped the formation of culture for decades and centuries and millennia going back to, you know, what was strong, what was performance based, what was results based that was favored, you know, from sort of like a, almost an, a system evolutionary perspective where that is what is moved forward in terms of values and priorities for organizations, tribes, families, whatever, soccer teams, whatever that became like what we look to and what we construct our view of what good leadership is. And yet we know, I mean, we've kind of figured out like, mm, that's imbalanced, that it leaves something missing. And that's where we bring in, you know, the integral process leaders, the Merlins, the Gandalfs. And interestingly, one of the publishers um, for Dan Pink's book said, and we're going to see this quote tomorrow, it said literally, it's the end of the left brain dominance. Mm. We've reached the end of it. 
And now it's time. It's almost like the born supremacy or something like one of those movies. Like now is the ascendant rise of the right brain influence in the world. And, you know, I I think that there might be a temptation around the Merlin advantage to celebrate and be like, hooray, the the rise of the empaths. Mm. And yet my belief is that's a mistake. But the Merlins don't want that. Yep, That's right. Those sort of people don't want that. Right? Which, yeah, exactly right. They don't want it. And I think they're the type of leader that that uh, that doesn't need that or want it. And like we're yeah. the Arthur. And I know it because I I've started to cut you off. Yeah, no, you're, I'm on, largely it. An Arthur. you're on it. Yeah. I need I, I want it. Right. right. Like I yeah. want the recognition. Yeah. I want the and uh, and of course, those things are not always nice to hear. But the Arthur side of us wants that the Merlin yeah. side. They don't need it. Right. That's right. Yeah. And so. I don't think there will be a day or maybe there shouldn't be a day where, you know, and I think we get this in where, let me, I guess I'll finish my thought where it's right brain dominance. It's Merlin dominance. It's IPL dominance. I don't think we should go there. I don't know if we will. And I think if we even go to this fictional legend side, we know it's bad. If we watch movies where there's bad Jedis or bad wizards, one of the things I, I think I mentioned it in the book, but I've mentioned it in conversations. One thing worse than having no wizards or no sages is having a bad one. And so we have to be careful about an imbalance the other way. Yeah. Where that side. Incredible. Yeah. If it turns evil. Becomes. Yeah. Manipulative. manipulative, Right. Yeah. Deceitful. Yeah. It becomes incredibly toxic. Emperor Palpatine. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, into the core of who people are, it tears it apart because it goes into those relational spaces. Yeah. In an overemphasized way, because now we've left behind all need for structure and, Mm -hmm. you know, some of the things that were left brain contributions that came for a reason. They helped us organize. They helped us um, generate coherence um, and momentum. And we can't we can't take those away. And that's you know, that's that's why balance is such a core word to the integral process Mm -hmm. leadership theory. If there is one Um, that these energies need to be balanced within ourselves. They need to be balanced within our systems. And to some extent, that's possible. That's a stretch we can make. Um, But to some extent, like you were saying so well, we need to work with others because flat out, you know, Aragorn has different energy. He has different capacities within himself at that soul level, at that deep brain level um, that Merlin, you know, has has different ones. And those are needed. You know, we bring these. You know, and again, at high levels of leadership, you got some really smart, really well-adjusted people. Uh, There's toxic ones, too. Those are other stories. But oftentimes we find some incredibly capable and well-balanced people. But there's still, in my opinion, there's still a 5149. Yeah. I mean, that's that's my belief is on which side you are. Yeah. Yeah. The energy really flows. Uh Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Uh, you know, there's this uh, this quote I shared yesterday with that same group um, that I just came to mind. That I think applies to some of you know some of this. I just want to think out loud real quick. Uh, Alvin Toffler, mm. American writer, um, he once said that the illiterate of the 21st century aren't going to be the ones who can't read and write. They're going to be the ones who can't learn, unlearn, and relearn. Mm. That those will be the ones that are illiterate. And so I thought of that because, again, going back to the, the, what I wanted to get out in front of earlier of kind of nipping in the butt the idea that these things don't matter, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Like if, we, if we're thinking that, nope, the way that I do it is fine, it's good, 
one, those sort of people probably aren't even listening to this podcast. <laughs> right. <laughs> but if right. you happen to be listening to the podcast and you have that the part right of, people are listening. Yeah. yeah. If you have if you happen to be listening and you you have that part of you that's like me, because I'm that way quite a, a lot, uh that's why we need to listen, because the illiterate of today are not the ones that can't read and write. It's mm-hmm. the ones that can't learn, unlearn, and relearn. And uh, to me, that means uh, a few things. That's impure when I'm learning, unlearning, and relearning just to continue to take advantage of people or walk on people or be more destructive, right? But that is transformative when I do it in a way, keeping in mind that space between us and others, right? And I and and, and not to create confusion, but for those listeners, what I mean by the space between is, uh, you know, you look into a room of people and the most important part of that room, like yesterday was with all those leaders, they're all sitting around on, it was just kind of an informal setting, but mm-hmm. everybody was, you know, looking at the front, but they're on chairs and some are standing, some are on bar stools. Like that, what's the most important thing in this room right now? It's the space between all of you. It's the connections that you can make and not the typical, you know, with our soil analogy, the surface level connections that you are, mm-hmm. that we're typically used to making. Like, yeah. hey, Seth, I'm Chris. You're Seth. Right. What do you do? Can I have a business card? Great. Let's get, let's get lunch or whatever. Uh, that can lead to a deep connection, but if that's all we, we, we continue to keep, uh, that's transactional Mm -hmm. and transactional is the opposite of transformational and transaction is important. Mm -hmm. Just like we're talking about the transaction is important. And I'm going to make another claim and connection to your, to your, I'm just writing your second book for you. Right. Thank you. (laughs) Makes it much easier. I'm going to make another claim and connection to it, but the, the transaction is, is super important, but the transformational is what happens beneath the surface. Mm. And uh, in my opinion, the, the, the Merlins are what get us into the deep part of our soil. Yeah. Um, because they're intentional. And uh, you got to be really careful when you get down, down in there and you start working with, with, uh, with the roots because mm-hmm. they can snap and they can break and, mm. and you can't just start hacking away. Yeah, right. right? Like the Arthur might want to. Uh, and so I, I, I think, you know, the term tra- transactional, it's needed. It's important. Mm-hmm. I'm not at all setting that aside like it doesn't matter. But that's the that's the Arthur to, in, in my mind that I'm as we're talking about it in this context. Mm-hmm. Very the much. transformational is the Gandalf. It's the the Merlin um, because they can get to a deep level uh, and they want to get to the deep. There level. you go. Yeah. Because when you think about a plant. What the Arthurs want is the fruit coming from the tree. Yeah. Like I'm planting the apple tree so I can get the, the fruit. Mm-hmm. And in fact, we talked about this at our retreat. Some Arthurs, some of us Arthurs, we're like, screw planting the tree. I'm going to go to the grocery store and buy a bag right. of apples. Yeah. <laughs> That's the fastest way to get it. Let's yeah. go buy some apples. But the problem is, is when I go buy the bag of apples, guess what doesn't happen? There's no sustainability because there's no tree planted in the soil. And my my team didn't help plant a tree. Right. They yeah. just showed up to work and then I had a bag of apples for them. But when they start to, to root in that tree, they plant the seed, they water it, they nourish it, they give it light, they give it care. The roots get really deep into that soil. Everybody's a part of it. There's buy-in and you get that first apple. It means so much more, but then you have a lifetime of apples. Right. Yeah, it's sustainability. And I mean, it, I mean, it's a picture in my mind as you talk of strengthening the space between. Even if we are talking about real trees and soil and fruit and all that stuff. It works so well as an analogy. If, if somebody just tuned into the episode right now, they'd be like, what the it's heck? It's an organic farming <laughs> podcast. It's organic farming <laughs> podcast yeah. with wizards. Right. 
can it get any better? I mean, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's much, the stuff. Yeah, right? this <laughs> that's the right question. Ooh. Can it get any better than this? I don't think so. I mean, this is... I, you know, I, I don't think so. And I think our society's at a place, you know, I mean, you know, people loosely throw around the idea of the great resignation and what does work mean? And what's, what is an employee engagement crisis? And, you know, why is burnout now an official category for, you know, the world health organization, mm-hmm. what is going on? And I think, you know, for me, you know, the motivation around the book and about what I do every day is, well, something's not quite right. Yeah. That's and, clear. And like you said, we're not throwing out transaction. We're not throwing out words like building and structure and controls. Those aren't, you know, this is, this is the part that I can't emphasize enough. And I beg people like we are not throwing it out. It's necessary, but you know, as they say so often, not sufficient. Mm. We need this other side. And it is people who can be, who, who have those neurological levels, neuropsychological levels of tolerance to be inside the dirt with, you know, in that space, you know, I mean, to, to work in that space and have no cognitive dissonance that, you know, that, that I'm not producing right now, Mm -hmm. you know, that we're, that the factory is not churning right now. Um, sometimes I use an analogy of like a, a race car that sometimes for performance leaders, it's hard to pull over and have a, have a pit stop, you know, to let the team work and change out the tires and all that kind of stuff. To sit there is almost intolerable for the race driver. Like Like, people are flying by me. Yeah. And that's what I think a performance leader hears, you know, psychically in the system, you You know, in the marketplace. You did a really good race car. Yeah. I think about that often. Go ahead. Keep going. (laughs) No, it's, I mean, but I mean, do you feel that? Like the, the dissonance for a performance leader to take those reflective contemplative space between moments. Sometimes that is, a, that's why I talk about it as a, as a stretch where, you know, for the, you know, we'll, we can leave behind Gandalf and Merlin a little bit and say, no, we're talking integral process leaders who are a little more right brain or, you know, the front back top bottom, you know, whatever that neuroscience mm-hmm. is that allows them to be okay with the other drivers racing by. And to be quite comfortable with like, oh, this is a good time for my eyes to refocus. Uh, I can feel the power that I'm going to come away with, with new tires put on. Zip, zip, here they go. It's time. You know, to tolerate that liminal space is not every brain. Mm. And we need King Arthur's to, to you know, we, we need King Arthur's to drive us, to yeah. move us around the track, to hit the flags. Um, but we need the the other side, the integral process leaders to be in this, to lead the space in between. Mm-hmm. And again, I, you know, I said this earlier as we were talking prior to this um, episode that I work with lots of performance leaders who love their teams. They believe in relationships. They yeah. pay money for me to do what I do mm-hmm. because they believe in it mm-hmm. and they learn, they learn to do what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but they know that that's not them. Yeah, they they've got their eyes on things that I actually, you know, in the marketplace or innovation or finance that as the IPL, I can't figure out. I'm like, I don't know where we yeah. pivot next yeah, to. That's your, mean, that's your thing, you yeah. know, and you can see it so clearly. And, yeah. you know, the drive and the energy that they infuse into the organizations. I'm like, I, mm-hmm. I flat out literally can't do that. Yeah. You know, and people would say, well, Seth, don't count yourself out. And I'm like, <laughs> I have an MBA. You can change, Seth. Right. I can stretch. I know what he's talking about. I know what these performance leaders are talking about. Yeah. Um, I get it. I And again, love it. Believe in it. Just like they believe and love in the side I do. Uh, but there's some really cool partnerships that happen at that upper level of yeah. 
sort of, you know, like we're talking about the self-awareness. Yeah. Which leads to some really new ways of seeing partnerships. Yeah. So that's, that's what the system is. Yeah. I love it. You know, a new, another chapter in your book could be uh, the Legolas because, you know, he's a good hybrid. He can kick your butt, but he also walks on snow. You know, there is, <laughs> there is a little bit of pre-thinking. I'll tease the future of who else is in the kingdom. Yeah. Who else is in the story? You know, so there might, you know. Yeah. Well, it goes to what we, what we were, I can't remember if we were, every, all of these last couple hours with you have bled together. So I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast or not, but where the, where the literature of leadership has even gone is to followership. Yeah. That, yeah, right. that the, the, the power of a kingdom isn't, isn't who the Arthur is or the Merlin all the time. It's who's in the kingdom, like right. you just said. Right. And I think. What are that, those other roles? Yeah. And yeah. that's a, what's the role of, this is this sounds degrading. I don't mean it that way. But what's the role of the peasant? What's the role of the hobbit? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, because if you look at it, that's what I said. I'll take back what I said earlier of of you don't have a story of without either one of them. You don't have a story without the hobbit, without yeah. the Frodo, the Bilbo. Like that's what that's what actually brings the whole story together. Yeah. Um, and so the followership understanding our followers, understanding our people, as we say in our framework, understanding the soil, mm-hmm. that is your leadership. Mm-hmm. And you can be an Arthur, you can be a Merlin, you could be whomever and still understand your soil. Right. Like you got to know what's out there. Right. Um, that's, that's, that's leadership. And, and I like what you said about how, you know, it's going to be hard to really, there's going to be a 51, 49 kind of different, you know, there's going to be a, an interplay there. And I, and I largely, I, you know, I, I agree with you and, and that's why, that's why we exist. That's why the rooted framework exists mm-hmm. because we want to make up the gap of where leaders lack. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether that's in being able to produce the best fruit, mm-hmm. well, our framework we want to fill in that gap and help you learn how to plant the right seeds, cultivate those seeds, get the best fruit, or deal with the conflict that your you know, your organization is going through. Or if your your strength is that already, you're the Arthur, and you don't really know how to quite create a culture of care and concern and empathy and you need to get into the soil and cultivate it, our framework, we want to fill that gap. So that's why, you know, these, these resources we have available to us are so important. The work that you do, obviously the work that we're trying to do within the Institute is, is to create enough tools to fill these, these, um, these holes that we have, um, in, in our, in our, in our ability to be with others and our ability to lead and our ability to be a follower, (laughs) you know, um, we need, we need help. Uh, just like you said, there's other things in the kingdom and Gandalf isn't as much without his staff. Uh, you know, his, was that was called staff or is there some other, there's some, some official term, maybe whatever. And then Aragorn's not the same without his bad a sword. Right. right? And and so they, we need the tools that help us get tools and teams and Mm -hmm. at the, you know, and the rhythms in between. I mean, how do those, how do those go together? You know, followership takes me to sort of the, a word I like, which is just that choreography, you know, that really gets beyond simple, where are the parts moving, but who, and I mean, what's the identity of the, of the people that are in the system? You yeah. know, what's the core, what's the interpersonal choreography Yeah, that makes a team come alive? And, you know, certainly there is, you know, there are contributions at that king leader level there are contributions at that sage wizard archetype level those are certainly there you know and i think you know book one is certainly about calling that out and aligning it with the neuroscience that it's real as you say you know 
Like this is, this is real stuff. And it's a piece of awareness as you search out how you're going to lead and who you're going to lead with. Uh-huh. And there is the larger cast of characters, like yeah. learning who those are and what that's about. And yeah, it's the, it's the, you know, for, from our lens, it's the, it's the soil. And we were just talking about this mm. today in my office, the, the culture cube that I showed you, it's in our yeah, handbook love and, love that. and, uh, it's all based upon, you know, literature that's out there around culture and understanding culture, but in our culture cube, we have it in four different parts. And we talk about these four elements that make up culture. And I think this is really understanding followership because mm-hmm. your culture is created by, by the people. Um, and there's four elements. There's what's called espoused values and norms. And that's usually what people hang on the wall. Right. Like we're, we're, uh, honest people centered, people centered, yeah. you know, it's like the, it's in the handbook. It's on right. the wall. It's what, when somebody says, what, what's the culture of your organization? You recite that, uh, that's the espoused values and norms, right. but then you, you contrast that with the enacted values and norms. That's the reality. That's how things really are. That's right. And, and that's the, the kind of the ugly part of it. And we like to ignore that, but that's, that's part of our culture. And, and more importantly, what our culture is, is the the dissonance between those two is the disconnect. It's the mm-hmm. dynamic, the conflict, the back and forth between this is what we want, but this is how we are. How do we get there? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's that interplay. That's, that's our culture. And then we have two other pieces, what the literature calls artifacts, which is like office layout, dress code, how it manifests how, physically. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. The physical yeah. manifestations. Uh, and then, you know, you have uh, the assumptions and the assumptions are, I use the, the example with you earlier of, you know, like here we have very religious uh, leaders, like very God-fearing people, and uh, and that could easily be taken for for granted for the employees here. Um, but it's so important to them; they talk about it, and you know they're a private organization, so we can really talk about what we want internally, and mm-hmm. and it's just important to them, and we all know it and we appreciate it. But the assumptions, and this is how you identify what assumptions are in your organization. Like, imagine if you had a leader who was God-fearing. And all of a sudden, one day they're like, hey, I'm going atheist, you mm-hmm. know, or you have an organization that's uh, an environmentalist company and your 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 people really believe in, you know, um, going green and everything. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's driving a Tesla or a Prius or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then like your manager shows up in a diesel truck. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like those are the assumptions. It's the, the fundamental beliefs that we take for granted that we don't think about. Yeah. So all four of those things, espouse values and norms, enacted values and norms artifacts and assumptions that's what our culture is that's the people uh that's the followership and we have to get into that to understand it yeah um just as important to me is is understanding what sort of sort of leader we are we have to understand the followers right because there's a hyphen between the two yeah you know there's a space between the two that we have to we have to intimately understand and i would actually say that's the third part mm-hmm. is we have to understand that that space between yeah. got to understand ourselves got to understand the others but we got to understand that space between us mm-hmm. and what does that look like and what am i going to do with it yeah and what are the choices that i make how's going to impact that space between yeah and and in that leadership identity what are we going to be bringing to these situations, these questions, these conversations. And I think that's, again, my emphasis on the energy piece, you know, performance leader energy. Um, you're, you're going to see that, that, that cultural question will feel different when, when a performance leader says, you know, um, what is an assumption? Can you show me one? 
I mean, where can we yeah. put those? Uh-huh. You know, how can we move assumptions around from the first floor to the second floor? The performance leader works to change those, the, the top two, right. the espoused yeah. and the artifacts, because they have control to change those. That's right. Yeah. That's what they work to change. And they'll exert, I mean, this is, gets interesting, you know, I, I don't know how much time we have, but the left brain has a connection to grasping and reaching and, you know, the grasp idea, you know, if there's a left brain influence on who has been selected over time more often to be in leadership roles, there will be a preference mm-hmm. baked way in there yeah. to control, you know, grasp to physically adjust what the what the espoused values are or what the artifacts are like you're saying yeah "Yeah, i can change that i'll tell you what we're going to do you know an an unenlightened performance leader may say well we'll just change we'll just change what that value statement is we'll just switch that you know we'll just tell that you know we'll tell people that's no longer an assumption yeah and you know we know i now that's a little bit silly but it's the integral process leaders that lead that work to say you don't change assumptions like that. Yeah. That's not how assumptions, that's not what they are. That's not how they change, you know? And, you know, in the most simplistic terms, you know, the performance leaders are like, that's the stuff I don't know how to do magic with. You know, I don't know how to turn that Mm -hmm. into the tangible benefits that I've been asked to produce for this organization. Yeah. And so they say, thank goodness that I have a Merlin. Yeah. And the Merlins are like, I don't have a castle. I don't have a kingdom to practice in. I don't have anybody to help if you're not here. Yeah. You know, if there's no king or queen or whatever Mm -hmm. royal, you know, on the other side of performance leadership to construct a reality that has form and has movement, um, you know, that that's that energy piece. And I, Mm -hmm. you know, that's that, you know, going back to that, who am I as a leader? Again, got to sense that energy and know who you need to partner with, who needs to be in your ecosystem, who needs to be, you know, what's your, what's your, What's the inner soil? What are you, mm-hmm. what are you made of? Um, and what's that mean for your relationships with other people? Other, maybe other yeah. potential co-leaders or leadership collaborations, you yeah. know, like we see in fictional settings. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we got to wrap up here soon, but I, you know, what's, what's really sticking out to me because we've kind of been all over the map, but I've just loved this conversation. It's been a joy, um, you know, from the micro level of understanding ourselves as a leader, the different parts of our brain. And it's like, it's the yin and the yang. I mean, it's the, mm. it's the, we had, to, we got to understand the light and the dark. And, and again, I, I hate to put labels to say that performance leader is bad. It's not bad. Right. But for the sake of our conversation, we're talking about two differences. Yeah. Can be one, either side, either side. But the idea that what I'm getting at is this micro level of understanding ourselves is so important. And then looking for Things to help us fill the gaps, to help us get closer and closer to the middle of the continuum. We need resources. We need the tools. Yeah. We need the the swords and the the you know. We need we need things to help us get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you take that out to at a more and more macro my, macro level of of our organization, our community, our families. The same things are needed. We need things sure. in place to help us fill the gap. We need things to help us get closer and closer to the middle. And so what's, what applies in the two sides of our brain as we're battling it out is going to apply to the organism, which is our community. And that's the fractal and and that continuum that we're talking about of the Arthur here, the Merlin there, that's, that's that mental space between that we have to really bridge Mm -hmm. because it builds out behind that 
and we start to have people on 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 both sides and we have to continually bring people together um and we have to pay attention to that space between um, so true so uh last couple of thoughts man uh what are your last couple of thoughts before we end i want to I want to allow you to end, not not oh, me. Oh gosh, no, this has been great. I I agree. So many places to go. Uh, one thing, as you as you were talking just now, that I thought of is, and I've never, I've sort of intuitively thought this, but you know, it just occurred to me that leadership development is often, I think, seen as what is the leader learning, how is the leader growing, and I think leadership development perhaps we need to expand out to outside the leader's self. Mm-hmm. You know, who part of leadership development includes this exploration into who you are, but who you will then, because of who you are, partner best with to produce the best results. So leadership development, um, you know, maybe beginning in the individual, you know, at an intellectual or psychological level of growth and awareness, but then expanding out to include leadership development also includes developing those partnerships. Yeah. With the other characters. Mm-hmm. Love it. Well, this has been uh, just as fascinating and enjoyable, if not more, than our previous episode. Uh, this was really fun. And Thanks for continuing the conversation. Yeah, it's and, cool. it's, and it's just it's more fun to have you just sitting across the table, yeah, uh, you know, uh, other than Zoom. But uh, this was fun. So I appreciate you being here uh, for today, you know, just to have these conversations. And then obviously tomorrow when we when we hit it with the group, when the, yeah. when is game time, it's going to be fun. Uh, so, uh, yeah, appreciate you coming out. Um, thanks for having and, me. uh, appreciate all you listeners tuning in. Hope you enjoyed this as much as, as much as I did. And I hope that you're, I hope that you're, you know, wrestling a little bit, uh, you know, mentally and, and emotionally with, uh, how you can, how you might be able to change. Um, and remember, uh, if it's predictable, then it's probably not worth it. So, Uh, look for the transformational opportunities in your life and understand that those are always going to happen in relation with others. Uh, So with that, take care. Uh, Until next time, we'll see you. Be safe out there. Have a good one.